Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to bring your word to your people. Father, we pray for open hearts and open minds as this message goes out. It will not return void. It will accomplish exactly what you sent it to do. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. It's been a rough week on my joke. I had a really, really good joke. And if you want to hear it after church, I'll tell it to you. But I'm not allowed to tell it from here. And I went deep into the, I even went to Mr. Bobby into, into trying to get somebody that would say, yeah, that was okay. And it was no avail. So <clears throat> the Mother's Day joke, it worked out better anyway. So these uh, elderly lady had three grown boys and they were very, very competitive. And for her 90th birthday, they all went all out to try to up the other one and who could give her the best gift. Well, the first one sent her a Mercedes with a driver. And the second one built her a big old huge house. And the third one sent her a brown parrot that could recite the entire Bible. So they got to arguing over whose present was the best. And the first one said, well, mom can't drive anymore. So anywhere she needs to go, she can ride in style in my Mercedes. When the second brother said, well, my house is gorgeous and, and, and she will be happy in there forever. And the, the youngest brother said, hey, look. She can't read very well, and I know she loves the Bible a lot. So they trained that parrot for 12 years. It cost me a million dollars for this parrot to be able to recite the entire Bible. All she has to do is name chapter and verse, and the parrot starts telling it. So they go to the birthday party for the 90th birthday, and they show up, and the mom's there, and she was, tells the first son, hey, look, I don't want your car. It's too nice, and your driver is not nice to me. He's very rude. He's like, oh, man. And the second guy's like, I don't want your house. It's too big. I'd rather stay in my house. This is too much to clean. I'm only one person. I can only be in one room at a time. And she looked at the third son and said, and you, you obviously know your mother the best. You gave me the perfect gift. And he said, mom, that's so exciting. She said, that chicken was delicious. <clears throat> it's a long joke, but it had a good punchline. That chicken was delicious. All right. So last week we talked about faith. And we talked about it from a different perspective, right? We talked about faith, um, how we develop in it in, in, in a daily basis. And I said something last week, and I don't want it to be misconstrued. So I want to clear it up real quick. I said, don't be disappointed in God if you don't get the job you want, the spouse you want, the vehicle you want. I did not mean in any way, shape, or form that you shouldn't be praying for that spouse. You shouldn't be praying for that job. You shouldn't be praying for everything that... Honestly, if you are going through your daily life without praying about almost every decision you make, you're missing the point, okay? So I did not mean that I don't want you praying about your job or praying about your spouse or praying about your vehicles or your kids or your life. I want you to pray about everything, right? What I don't want you to do is have your idea of what's supposed to happen in God's plan and it not happen and somehow you hold that against what God's plan really is. That, that's the thing, right? God didn't anoint you for that job. He don't want you there, right? He wants you in a different job. Might be a better job, might be a different job. But our faith in God somehow gets tarnished is what I was trying to say. When our plans don't work the way we think they should, because God's plan's better, right? I mean, the Bible says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. So whether you believe it or not or like it or not or, or, or think it's righteous or not, Everything that we do is, is really lines up into God's plan. Now, the enemy comes at us and attacks us, and I get it. But everything that we go through builds us into the person that God meant for us to be. So as we go through the experiences in life, our testimony grows and our faith should go in God. 
All right, so I want to <clears throat> tell you a story. So in the 1950s, there was a guy named Kurt Richter, Dr. Kurt Richter, and he was from Harvard, right? Not, not probably never been used in a sermon in his whole entire life. God bless you, Dr. Kurt. You are here today. So he was at Harvard, and he had a pretty dim um, experiment. He had a pool of water with no escape, and he placed rats in the pool one at a time and would see how long they would survive. And they would have to tread water for whatever period of time, and they would document how long the rat would survive, right? And so the experiment started, and they started putting rats in individually. Well, the first round of rats lasted about 15 minutes. On average, the rats lasted about 15 minutes. They would scramble and scramble and scramble and scramble and scramble and then give up and drown. And they said, well, you know, that's kind of weird. It, it, you know, only took 15 minutes for them to give up on everything and drown. So the second round of rats they put in the pool, and they would let them fight and fight and fight and fight and fight until the instant to where they could tell they were getting ready to give up, and then they would grab them out of the pool, rescue them, warm them up, dry them off, give them a little something to eat, and put them right back in the pool. Now, the second time they were in the pool, how long do you think they last? I mean, they already were exhausted, right? I mean, they just got a little bit dry and a little bit of food. But the first time, they only lasted 15 minutes. So the second time, how long did you think they lasted? An hour? Five minutes. Ten minutes? Fifteen minutes? An hour? Sixty hours. The difference between 15 minutes and 60 hours was hope that there was something coming. That was it. Nothing else in the experiment changed. They weren't smart enough to know what was on the outside of the pool. They just knew that if they fought long enough, if they participated long enough, there was something coming to help them. And so the same rats who gave up in 15 minutes all of a sudden lasted 60 hours. See, that's that in Romans when, when uh, Paul's talking about that they were without God and without hope, right? Because we know that faith is the substance of what's not seen, what we hope for. So without hope and without faith, those mice, rats, gave up in 15 minutes. But even something as simple as a rat's brain understood that something might rescue me and went from 15 minutes to 60 hours on average. So when you look at the world and the world's given up at a record pace, I wonder why. They're still in the 15-minute category. Because without God, when without hope and faith in God, it's really easy to be de defeated, right? Everything stacks up against you really quick. But us as Christians, and we know that God, what God's word says, and that we have faith that he is, right? He is, and he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, that he is watching out over me, that he has blessed me coming in and blessed me coming out, that he died on the cross to redeem me from my sins, that he's given me salvation, right? We have that hope, that eternal hope inside of us and faith in God that he's going to show up and do what he said he was going to do. So we're in a 60-hour club. We're not in the easy giver-uppers. Easy giver-uppers? Yeah, whatever. The easy giver-uppers. Y'all get it. Christians should be the light of the world and our faith in God should be the beacon of that light. Why? Because we know what God's word says and we've seen it happen. Like I told you last week, if you had faith in anything, whether it was in a building or a car or a person or money or whatever, or a country or anything, everything that you can think of that you have faith in that is not God is only lasted for a glimmer of time, right? Just a mist, vapor. 
Because God is eternal and before the world was established, God was there. And when the world is destroyed, God will still be there. Jesus said, my word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what we, when we choose to have faith in something, we really need to dig deep and to find something that we have faith in. And it's not a car, it's not a spouse. And I'm, here again, I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to have a good spouse. God doesn't want you to have a good car. I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying that when you look, when you get to your 15 minutes in the tub and you decide it's time to give up, the only place that you should look at that moment is to God and not to a person, a place, or a thing. Because a person, place, or thing will dissolve, but God is eternal. And so our faith in Him should be so stellar, right? We should be so staunch in our faith, knowing <clears throat> why do you think that they had all of these stories included in the Bible? Why do you think God did that? Why do you think God had the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego put in the Bible? I mean, really and truly, how long do you think that episode took? Right? I mean, was it a, a Thursday? It was Thursday afternoon. Right, we're going to say it's Thursday afternoon. On Thursday afternoon, they decided they were going to punish anybody who didn't bow to a false god. And three teenage kids said, nah, dog, we're not going to do that. Does that sound like something that would be written in your history books? No. It doesn't even sound like something that would make the local news. I mean, not at that point in time, right? I mean, if you have an oven that is built to kill people, I would think throwing people in the oven is not breaking news. I mean, really, right? If you had something that... <laughs> that's not breaking news. Oh, it's only three? Oh, it's only three today. It's not worth covering. But what happened is, is those three got thrown in, but they had the faith of God with them, and the fourth one that showed up what looked like the Son of God. So why does God include that in the Bible? Because he thinks that, you know, that was cool for us to know that they used to throw people in ovens. No, because he wanted you to know no, no matter what they were facing, when they had faith in God, and, and I, I'm going to tell you, I don't believe for a second that these were the only Israel, Is, Israelites that were thrown into the oven. Not for a second. I don't believe these are the only Christians that were cooked. But those three had faith in God, and God showed up. Why? Because of their faith. So why did God include it in the story? Because he wants you to see what other people with faith looks like and what the result of that looks like. It's an example of who we're supposed to be. Right? It's, here again, doesn't make evening news except for, wow, the Son of God showed up and walked around in the fire. And not only did they get thrown into fire, they walked back out of the fire. And that's the amazing part. But getting thrown into the fire, up until the point that they walk out of the fire not smelling like smoke, nothing amazing happened. They said, we're not going to do what the king said. The king said, you are. And they said, no, we're not. And they said, okay, we're going to throw you in the fire. And everything was cool up until then. It was no newsworthy. Until the instant that they got up and walked out. When Jesus appeared in the fire, then, then they walked out. See, that's what faith is. That's what separates them from everybody else. And God wants us to know that those experiences that happened, so where when we have faith in God, Although I haven't seen any of y'all getting threatened to be thrown into a fiery furnace. But if you ever were to be lined up in front of a fiery furnace, I can stand boldly and say, I don't care what you do. I will not worship a one God because I know that the same God that created the universe stood by those 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and did not let them die in the furnace. And even if he does let me die in the furnace, I know that he's still the eternal God. Our faith in God should not waver on the experience. But what we have is a, is a book of references that every time that God said something and did something, that we can have faith in what his word says. And like I told you last week, there's a lot of folks who get all the way to their breaking point, right? They get pushed through the middle of everything that they can come up with to every doctor, to every bad report, and we don't got any other hope. There's no money. There's no nothing. Oh, God, save me. How much better is it for the Christian body to have faith in God when we have money and when the report is not terrible? And when it is not the end of the line, God is not the last resort. He's not the fire alarm that you pull as you walk out of the burning building. That's not how it works. But what happens is a lot of times our faith is a muscle and we only exercise it to the limit of where we feel comfortable. And we won't. Walk in faith, right? We don't walk in faith. We walk into confidence in our own self, in our own abilities, in our own money, in our own job, in our own spouse, in our own house, right? I made this money. This is my house. This is my car. I bought it. If it breaks, I'll buy a new one. Well, bless God, if, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have any of those things. I might be living in a car. No, well, wait a minute. Whew. Without the hand of God on my life, I wouldn't be here. There are more than enough opportunities that I've done plenty of stuff that was dumb enough for God to be done with me. You know, that's the thing, right? If you look at, um, if you look at Lucifer, right? When God cast Satan out of heaven, he messed up really one time. Now, I don't know his heart and I don't know his, all of his actions, but from what we understand, he messed up one time, right? He exalted himself above God one time and was cast down. If God was done with me every time I messed up one time, ooh, man, I'd have never seen this. Y'all would have never seen this building built like this because I wouldn't have been here long enough to build it. Can you think about it? But when we have faith in God, we don't have faith in God that, that I do good enough so God likes me. We have faith in God that God loves me no matter who I am, no matter where I'm from, no matter what I sound like, no matter what I look like, no matter what I smell like, God loves me for me and sent his son to die for me. That's faith in God. And when we understand the big picture, when we start talking about having faith for healing or for finances, or for spouse, or for job, or for the stuff that we, our daily bread, right? Jesus said, look at the birds. They don't worry about what they're going to eat. The flowers don't worry about what they're going to wear. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. Well, if our faith first goes to God, everything else around us starts getting taken care of. It's that old thing, right? The harder I work, the luckier I get. Well, the more faithful I am to God and the more faith I have in God and the more I trust God and the more I spend time in prayer with God and the more time I start doing God's will in my life, the luckier I get. It's amazing. And it's God's will in my life to be done, not my will in my life to be done. And that's the other thing that people really have a hard time with. Well, God did this or God did that. No, your bad decisions did that. Have you really got on your face lately and asked God, where do you want me to be and who do you want me to be? And what do you want me to look like and what do you want me to talk like? I mean, that's a difficult situation and I'm going to tell you. 
if you're not prepared to change, don't ask him. Because I guarantee you, all of us probably have some things that we're doing in our life that God's not 100% okay with. Amen. Everybody got that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So faith in God is not faith in God that he's going to allow me to live like I want to live and walk like I want to walk and talk like I want to talk and move like I want to move and expect him to cover me. Although he does with his love and grace. My faith in God is that I want to be closer to him to where I walk according to his will. That, that's, that really gets into a much better situation for you. And all of a sudden, things start taking place to where your faith starts to grow. Why? Because when you, when you see the disciples walking around and when they started acting like Jesus acted and walked like Jesus walked and talked like Jesus talked, people started getting healed and people started getting set free and people started getting saved. People started getting baptized with the Holy Spirit. What happened? Nothing. They had faith in the message, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They started to develop the word of God in their life and their faith grew. Why? Did they continue to live how the world lives? No, they did the opposite. They put off the old man and put on the new man and they started to live like God wanted them to. And when they started to live like God wanted them to, their faith grew in all aspects of their life. In all aspects of their life. So as us as Christians, the more we look like Jesus, the more we talk like Jesus, the more we act like Jesus, the better our faith grows. Why? Because we start to hear God's word more, right? Because, you know, there wasn't a day that Jesus went by and said, you know what? I ain't got time for all this church stuff today. I'm going fishing. I don't, I don't even care. Now, not to say he didn't enjoy fishing. He did. He, he fished some. I mean, he, he got some tax money out of fish's mouth. I mean, even in Monticelli, one of Monticelli's favorite stories of the whole Bible is after he had been crucified and went to hell and paid my penalty and yours and poured his blood out on the altar, he fixed some breakfast on the beach. Who caught them fish? He probably just called them and told them, y'all get up here, I got to cook y'all for breakfast. But I mean, you know what I mean. I mean, he, he fixed some breakfast on the beach. Our faith in God should look at what God's done and not look at what we've done. Our faith in God should be focused strictly on what God's Word says. Not on what your opinion of what it says is or not on what your life experience of on Strictly what God's Word says. <clears throat> Whew. Air conditioning ain't coming on today, I don't think. <clears throat> if you will, turn with me to... Um, think I want to go there. Romans 5. And I didn't mark it. So I got to find it. Romans 5 says, uh, Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have the peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace, which we now stand. That is us, the Christian body in which we stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. What happens is 
is when everything's going good and everything's going right, it's easy to have faith in God. Right? It, 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 when, you, <laughs> when you win in the softball game by 10 runs, nobody's uptight, nobody's worried, everybody's laughing, everybody's having a grand old time. Why? Because we're winning. It's great. Everything's, everybody's happy. But when something happens and we start losing or the game gets close or, the, or we go down, then all of a sudden everybody gets all tense and upset and worry and fret and dread. Why? Did the game change? Did the opponents change? Did one team get miraculously better midway through the game? No. When we walk through life and everything is hunky-dory and great and wonderful and my kids are behaved and they make good grades and everybody's happy and we got plenty of money... It's easy to have faith. But standing at the bottom of the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when you know you're getting ready to get thrown into something that's so hot that it killed the guys that threw you in, you think it's easy to have faith in their situation? Probably not. With King David standing at the feet of a giant with a five smooth stones and a slingshot, you think it was easy to have faith in that situation? With the entire Egyptian army running behind you, that they're coming to kill you as you stand at the banks of the Red Sea with six million people? You think it was easy to have faith in those moments? That's not. But why are those moments important? Because everybody that I just named had faith in those situations. They had faith in God in every one of those situations that their perseverance had brought character and their character hope in God and will not disappoint. Every one of those people were pushed to a breaking point and stood on God's word over and over and over. In fact, the Old Testament and the New Testament, but mostly the Old Testament, is filled with story after story after story after story of people that were pushed to the brink that had faith and stood in God's word. And God gave him a victory. Abraham and Isaac, when he took him up to sacrifice him, and I mean, can you imagine that conversation on Mother's Day with that one? Yeah, we had a kid, but oh, Abraham took him up there and chopped him up and burned him on top of the altar because God told him to. I mean, can you imagine the conversation with his mama? You know why? That's why they got up early in the morning. They didn't talk to mama. He didn't have nothing to say to mama. But, but Abraham had faith in God that God's word was true no matter what. And even if God allowed him to kill him and sacrifice him and burn him, that God would still bring him back. Why? Because he was the son of promise. Now, that's next level faith, right? That's, that's, that's a whole nother ballgame of faith. Is it? No. It's the same measure of faith that we have. But when we are faced with the similar situations, when things aren't going our way, when things aren't happening like we want them to, it's hard to have faith. It's hard to count on God, is it? Why? Because Hosea says my people are killed or destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because if you knew that God had rescued the people from the three fiery furnace and he'd rescued Noah from the flood and he'd rescued Isaac from the altar and he'd rescued David from Goliath, I mean, and Daniel from the lion's den, I mean, go down the list. Jonah from the belly of the whale, Paul from a snake bite, shipwrecked three times, I mean, over and over and over, the men and women of faith, when they stood up and said, I trust God no matter what, whether you like it or I don't, or don't like it, God showed up and did something miraculous. I just think about all the times that people didn't do that, that didn't get recorded in the book. 
Because I guarantee you there were people who were in the same situation and had the same opportunity to have faith in God to say, no matter what else happens, I know that my God is God. And he tells the truth and he watches over me and he sets his angels out to watch over me. And I don't care what happens. I know that he's God. And every time that took place, something amazing happened. I go back to uh, Paul and the shipwreck. Still one of my favorite all-time stories from, from Bible school. We were in the back. We had the whole back decorated and the music was loud and it sounded like thunder and water and we were misting water up on the stage and shaking stuff and it was craziness. The wind was blowing. It was horrible. And poor old Lily <laughs> Myers said, y'all got to save me. I can't swim. Now we're standing in the middle of the gymnasium. Not a soul has ever drowned in that gymnasium, best I know. But all she could see was what was happening around her. We actually had to stop for a second, right, and get her off the ship because she couldn't swim. And, and we giggle and laugh because we look at the, how silly that is, right, that she's on the stage in the recreation building and all she can see is the stuff going on around her, but somehow she's convinced that what's getting ready to happen is really bad. And then I think about how God looks at us in our daily lives and we Talk about the, the, but you don't understand that we were going to drown and I couldn't swim and there was water and there was noise and they were flashing the lights and it just scared me. And think about what God thinks about in our daily life. How many times do we have an opportunity to say, well, God, you just don't understand. They were mean to me. They said bad things. People didn't treat me right. I lost my job. And God said, you weren't going to drown. I had you the whole time. You were in the middle of the recreation building. Nothing changed. I was there the whole time. I was there the whole time. Nothing changed. I promise you from the get-go that I was going to watch over you. I didn't leave you. I didn't leave you in the back building. He didn't leave them in the desert. He didn't leave them at the Red Sea. He didn't leave Jonah in the belly of the whale. So why can we not have faith in a God that is so faithful to us? That we have all of these opportunities to show up and just do our job and be good Christians. And then we tell God, you don't understand. It was out of my comfort zone. I, they didn't smell good. I had to talk to people I didn't know. I had to go somewhere else. They didn't let me sit in my seat. Somebody parked in my spot. I don't go to that church anymore. Somebody said something mean to me. I mean, think about how trivial the excuses you use to God to not do what you are called to do. It's just as silly as that child that was going to drown in the recreation building to God. Because if he's really measured my steps out, that he's really anointed me to do what I'm supposed to do, then why do I have a hard time trusting him? Somehow I'm smarter than him? Somehow my plan works better than his. Like I told y'all last week, I'll take any volunteers that wants to come up here and draw a diagram of internal combustion engine. I don't understand it, but I depend on it. I know that when I turn the key, it cranks up most of the time. So if I can have faith in my vehicle, how can I have not have faith in my God? Who has been here a lot longer than that vehicle has? who has been through a lot harder situations. I mean, and even now, right? Even now in our day-to-day, -day, in our day-to-day -day life, right? We were talking about it this morning uh, before church. Um, 
Mr. William Barnett had his first birthday party in 96, right? 96. First birthday party, which is unfathomable for all the people that's got kids. You know, it's un- never had a birthday party. And I said, you know what? Those folks weren't worried about birthday parties. They were worried about eating and surviving, right? They were just worried about eating. And they weren't worried about what they were eating either. They were just worried about eating, period. We, today, have it so good. Things are so easy. Why can't we have faith now? I mean, those folks depended on faith, right? They depended on it every day. They walked by faith. They didn't have, I mean, they didn't start off with indoor plumbing or electricity or vehicles or anything else. They just had faith in God. They were probably much better character build too to the faith that they had in God. But in the situation we're in, what's so hard that we can't trust God? What's so hard, what's so going on in your life that we can't have faith in God? To do what he said he was going to do. Not to do what I said he was going to do. To do what he said he was going to do. We have an opportunity to stand and be counted. And, and uh, man, I promise. I promise revival's coming. Revival is coming to America. Revival's coming to Berkeley County. Revival is coming. The church will bounce back. I guarantee you, I'm telling you right now that God's coming back and he is coming back for a perfect church. And Jesus is coming back for his bride and he is coming back. And, and we are them. They is us. At this precipice of time, this, this, this opportunity, I, I, I challenge us as a whole. We have to start walking in faith. We have to believe what God's word says. We have to be the light into the darkness. We have to be the hands and feet of Christ. And I know everything I preach lately comes back to this. Praise God, I'm trying my best. I'm doing what God asked me to do. But we have to have the faith in God enough to be able to stand and be accounted for of who we are in the body of Christ. That we're just not some bunch of ruffians that show up every once in a while. That we are the body of Christ. Do we have faith in God and we believe what his word says? And that, that sounds real easy. But you just don't say, well, yeah, you know, I believe that. We have to start believing and meditating and reading and start to build up that faith in us. The Bible says the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, you don't hear enough of it in 30 minutes on Sunday to get you through the week. You have to be hearing it from other places. You have to be reading your own Bible, developing your strengths, developing your faith, developing your personality in God, your testimony in who God is in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we thank you that it will not return void. Father, we send it to the corners of the earth. We thank you and praise you that it is changing lives. And we just give you the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.